Hello and welcome to Almost 30 Podcast. What's up? It's Krista. Hi, it's Linz. And we are already almost, is this August? What is time? It's freaking me out, y'all. What is summer? <laughs> I it's, was thinking about that. I'm like, wow, summer. It's kind of like weirdly fun sometimes when time passes really quickly. And mm. then it's also really, I feel like I can't, can never catch up. I know. I was thinking about the other day how when I was little, my parents would be like, okay, we have to go to the YMCA. It's 25 minutes. And I'd be like, oh my God, what am I going to do for 25 minutes in the car? You know, like time was so slow. Like if you had to drive somewhere for an hour, you're like, okay, I need 15 books, 20 snacks. Like a long car ride. You're like, how am I going to make it through? How am I going to make it through? And now it's like, we, I drive an hour and no problem. Here. <laughs> no problem. Yeah. And it's no problem. That's and light. How, well, and actually I read this book about memory. I need to remember what book it is, but they talk about a lot of the reason why time goes by faster as you get older is because there's not a lot of new markers of changing of time. And I think I've talked about this before, but like when you're younger, you have all the grades mm. that provide markers and everything's very different. You're learning about all these different things. Then you have high school. Everything's very different each year. You know, you have four years, it's set, then you have college. And then after that, it's kind of like a free for all. Totally. <laughs> it's like your life is just like, all right, I have like 75 more years of this. And there's not new things to Exactly. To experience. You're kind of like, I've done this before. Like, I think as a child, teenager, et cetera, it's like, ooh, okay. Mm -hmm. Like, this is a big milestone in my life. And then, yeah, you're right. Those markers definitely make it kind of like, how am I going to get through 11th grade? 11th grade. Or when summer starts. Mm -hmm. Wow. Three whole months. Countdown. Remember, I mean, there were countdowns for everything in my life. Yes. I'd have like, remember those paper calendars you'd yes. like rip them off with quotes and shit or you'd have the chain ones oh, did you ever make those. Um, ones with uh construction paper you'd cut little chains and you'd pull off one chain until oh, christmas or something yeah never did that yeah fun yeah. classic arts and crafts in ohio wow. <laughs> yeah i know honestly welcome to ohio <laughs> it was like actually made out of uh hay <laughs> we actually had it in a barn <laughs> <laughs> oh man are y'all ready for today i don't know it's going to be a good one. It's going to be and we have, wild. Yeah, it's, it's going to be so wild. And a day when we have shaman is just a blast. And I was talking to Natalia yesterday, our friend Natalia Benson, who's been on the pod. We've been on her pod. She had, she just recorded with shaman. Mm. She recorded with shaman Durek on Friday and we talked immediately after. And she's like, dude, I feel like fucked <laughs> up. And I was like, I know. Because whenever I'm with shaman Durek, I feel like I'm rolling on ecstasy. Yeah. Because his energy is so palpable. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, I feel like I'm so glad I'm talking to you about this because I feel like fucked up. And she's like, honestly, during the recording, I got these like crazy healings. During her recording, she said that uh, shaman removed this matrix programming that she had. There was like a Whoa. matrix programming a programmed matrix spirit that was attached to her that is now gone. And Natalia says she feels free. He also like did work inside her vagina. Like, you know, like spiritually, like it was just, yeah, she said it was wild. And it was just like such a reminder for me of like, dude, I just, I love this man. I love him. You you guys will get to see um, this on YouTube as well. And we, we were on Zoom with him. He has like this magical background, but I love, I love the moments when shaman, like you can, you can tell when he's kind of his like, child like inner child and there's this smile and this like 
beautiful softness to his eyes that is just like it takes me in. I love at love the him. end we were like we just because we were talking about so many different things and at the end he, we were, he was talking about how he loves country <laughs> and he's like I love country. He's like sitting on the porch having a beer like and he's you guys it was insane it was the best. He starts singing country and it's just like being such a goofer like. Yeah. He's yeah. just such a goof. Yeah, that's what I I love. We're like, talking that's... about Atlantis. We're talking about reptilians. Mm-hmm. We're talking about Matrix programming. And then he's like, I love country music. <laughs> I listen to it all the time. I'm sitting on the porch and I'm drinking a beer. <laughs> and he does like, it was so cute too. Because he did like the, he was like slapping his leg. <laughs> he was like slapping his leg like he was sitting in like, like a, a true country like a rock, singer. A rocking that's what chair. Every country singer does. Yeah, and it was like stereotypical country. But yeah, it was yeah. just... <laughs> He's he's a breath of fresh air. And yeah, I think what makes someone so high when they talk to that, him is just his full out permission to himself mm-hmm. to just rip and be yes. himself and really allow himself to sing a country song out of fucking nowhere. Like just mm-hmm. go kind of wild. And it's really, it's very liberating as the person on the other side of the conversation. Yeah. It just makes me happy. I love him. And then you guys might've heard, you know, we had our first episode with Shaman Durek last year, probably mm-hmm. around this time last year, which was so powerful. I think that was one of the favorites from, from the year before, um, had the quote, Queens, Queens don't, don't argue. argue. They don't, bitch. <laughs> and there's so many people that would text me that and just be like, I remember my friend Crystal Crystal Streets. I just remember that really like changed her life. Yeah. Like she still says that to this day. She's like, I literally no longer engage in arguments with men because Queens don't argue. It's such a powerful energy when you do so not react powerful. to oh what's gosh. being fed to you because the feeder thinks that you're going to react to it because you're an emotional woman. 100%, yeah. which is me. <laughs> which is totally me too. <laughs> Looped right in. <laughs> Looped right into that full-on reaction. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so we talk about... Atlantis in this. We talk about 2020 predictions. We talk about sort of what's going on now. What else do we talk about? We talked about just on that like play and having fun. He really like focused on, you know, that inner child's uh, releasing of that inner child in your everyday is a part of kind of the collective healing as well. Mm. We talked about his love, his uh, girlfriend, uh, Marta Louise, which was really just beautiful to catch up with him about. I mean, this is such a huge part of his life now and you know being you know within the royal family and just having a lot go on but still remaining shaman dirk mm-hmm. and we actually have a special surprise so this episode tuesday with shaman dirk we talk about his girlfriend princess martha louise and then on thursday we have her on the podcast so we have the princess on the podcast thursday so you'll get both of these two lovers mm-hmm. on the show this week which is super exciting their relationship is beautiful fascinating you know they've done so much to speak out against um racial injustices like injustices within just like culture. Yeah. Like the standards of which people in the royal family are held to are just so wild. And the way in which she's been treated by the press and the media is heartbreaking, mm-hmm. um, especially after, you know, coming out publicly dating Shaman Durek. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been really hard for them both, but they've always managed to come through on the other end even more powerful than ever. So both of these lovers are on the show this week. So excited. And just a few orders of business before we get into the episode. One, we're on YouTube. I said that before, but I want you guys to subscribe to us on YouTube. It's fun. We're getting rolling. 
recording every single episode so you get to see us, see our guests. It's been a blast. We're also creating other content on there that I think is really, really valuable. So check it out. And then we have our merch. So almost 30 threads are out now. We have a very sustainable, eco-friendly, organic line of very cool, unique tees and sweatshirts that I love and everyone's loving. So uh, you can check that out at shopalmost30.com. Yeah, I'm loving it. And then our workshops always available on the shop page, whether you're interested in quitting anxiety or fucking like a goddess or aliens, Mm -hmm. we have what you need in our shopalmost30.com shop page. And thanks everyone who has been leaving us incredible reviews. So if you have a moment and you haven't left a review on Apple Podcasts, it means so much to us and just really helps us get on incredible guests like Shaman Durek. So if you could take a moment and just tell us why you love the show, that would mean the world. And it also means so much when you share with your friends, family, anyone you feel like could use an episode or two from Almost 30. So thank you in advance. Thank you in advance. We love you so much. We will see you on the other side. Enjoy this one. See ya. See ya. So what's the energy you're bringing in today? How are you feeling? The energy I'm bringing in today is, let's see, I would say, I would say the energy I'm bringing in today represents us being self-sufficient mm-hmm. and, and reliant. 100%. And tell me more about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because, you know, the idea of self-sufficiency is the rec- recognizing your abilities. And a lot of times we're always looking for other people to tell us things about ourselves before we actually acknowledge them and actually bring them to the table to actually see them as possible. And I think now is a time where we are, what's going on in the world, I think it's time for us to really have that self-sufficient eye upon ourselves. It's to really recognize the abilities within ourselves without needing to hear it from someone else. But like, how do you want to create yourself, right? And then how reliant are you to show up in that space without needing validation or someone to, you know, to tell you something to make you feel whole, to be who you are? I think the whole idea of permission to shine is done. And it's now it's like shine on and you get to decide how bright and how beautiful and how luscious and how how magnificent that look without someone saying like, you know what, your shine is too big for me. Well, then get your shine on because I'm doing my shine, do your shine. And so that shine is really relevant of the energy, the light, the, the intelligence, the, the, everything that you, you bring into the world as you. And, 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 and all of the beautiful arrays of colors and energies and spectrums that come from you should not be held back dependent upon someone being comfortable or not comfortable. And mm. that's really what it comes down to. I think what's so interesting about that too is like our our world right now, like the various matrices that are set up are not set up to inspire us to trust ourselves. And so like what... I'm wondering, like, I guess so simply, like, how do we break out of that on a daily basis? So how have you been able to, in your daily practices, prayers, et cetera, like been able to really break out of that? Because we are like so much on our phones waiting for that, like that validation. So I'm just wondering like what that looks like. I I would literally say it's a commitment to the social grazing in yourself, you know, because a lot of times when we think about crazy, we think about doing something that goes against the grain or being the black sheep or doing something that other people don't understand and that they might not like us or they might want to have us around and they might ostracize us. And I think there's a point where I was like, when I, I look back, 
how lonely I was in school because everyone thought I was a freak. And at one point it used to hurt me when people would call me a nerd or a freak or like just, you know, whatever they used to call me uh, because of the powers and the gifts that I have. And then I got to a point where I was just like, yeah, I am a freak. (laughs) You know? And like, I love that. Yeah. It was really good. Like I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to turn that into a whole complete like world for myself and see like what that freakish world looks like and how much fun I can have in it with, and then let myself be so committed to it that I don't need to put signs that say, love me, accept me, come in. I'm safe. It's like, I'm just going to be me. You're going to want to come in because you're going to see how comfortable and how at ease and how at peace and how, how rock and roll and what an amazing time I'm having with myself in my freakish world. And then you're just going to be like, can I get admittance to that freakish world? Charm and Dark? And I'm like, I don't know. Let's see. <laughs> you a freak? <laughs> yeah, honestly. Yeah, you know? And that's yeah. what I'm talking about when I say that. And so, I think the, the the narrative that we've been driving on our planet is that it, it's, it has always been towards look at someone else to see yourself, you know, judge yourself by someone else's yeah. accomplishments to know yourself. Yeah. And I think that that has become a very, you know, when I think about rocks falling off of a, a cliff, you know, and then another one comes, another one comes and then the whole thing falls. That's what that looks like. And yeah. that's not, that's not, I, I don't want, I don't want to live a landslide. You know, no one wants a landslide. Who wants a landslide? Yeah. It's crazy too, you know, in like the spirituality community, it's like, you know, we talk about the sovereignty and it's like the spirituality community can be almost the most distorted within the loss of sovereignty when you're in that in-between stage before you get to like actual true spirituality of like Taoism, Buddhism, law of one stuff. So it's just so funny how it's like, it can be lost so much, even in the community that thinks it doesn't lose it. Yeah. Well, I think the spiritual community is a bunch of malarkey, if you want my honest opinion. I think they're like bullshit, you know, like really, because like, I mean, the the spiritual community is the most judgmental community, more so than the ones who they think are the judgmental ones. Because in the spiritual community, it's not based upon you really acknowledging and holding that autonomy of, of inner independence. It's about like, if you're following the rules to look good and seem good and be health and wellness and like and like be portray this kind of image of like i like i'm doing all these things see my instagram i did a cold plunge today and yesterday i did something with wim hof and now i'm doing a shamanic retreat and i just had a chia seed pudding and oh my god have you did you guys go to the drum circle last night i know i did you know and it's like no 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 that's why i say like wellness is realness and spirituality is just a bridge to true, like really evolution. It's like, what is spirituality? And that whole community is fake. It's real. It's not real. Because if you have to like, if you have to like peacock your spirituality, right? Because that whole peacocking thing, and, I, and I'm, not, I'm not, you know, I mean, I, I get it. Like people like to peacock. Okay, great. Whatever. I get it. Like, it's, it's hilarious and, and, and loving. And like, just like, oh, you're so sweet. You're so cute. You know, it's like peacock yourself, right? You peacock your spirituality, but that doesn't mean you're spiritual because spirituality is a bridge to evolution. It's not evolution. It's a bridge to evolution. And I think the key element here is to stop peacocking and, and start, you know, lit rocking. And what I call lit rocking is like, do it because you choose to do it, not because everyone is going to like you doing it. Mm-hmm. And with the, the, I guess, tell me more about the bridge piece, you know, spirituality being the bridge to evolution. Yeah, because a lot of times we forget that 
evolution is real. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a known fact that things do evolve. And, and the spirituality is the key to helping you open up perceptions or doors of perception. So it doesn't matter if you're chanting with your Bohansen or you're strumming your mala beads or you're standing on a mountain looking at your ocean or you're doing a yoga class or doing breath work or you're sitting with your friends pulling out tarot cards and laughing and giving each other readings and reading the book or whatever it may be that you get into that everyone likes to get into these days to keep that coping mechanism on high, right? It's about realizing that everything you're doing is just for you to open up more doors of perception. And so the more doors of perception, the more you're actually able to see, oh my God, like I am not this like boxed human being that the world has said I am. I'm actually a consciousness that can take any shape, any form, any color, anything I want to do. And all I have to do is just accept that that's who I am today. Like I could be saying, talking to you today and be like, Yes, girls, and the key to spirituality is for us to reference the point between separation and understanding the part of us that needs to come into wholeness. Or it could be like, you know what? It is so amazing, so rock and roll that we just learn how to like literally two-step ourselves into a whole nother dimension. Like I could be however I want to be. I could be soft, I can be mellow, I can be intense, I can be crazy, I could be little my little boy i could be a little girly type i could be anything i want that's the cool thing about spirituality is that it's just a bridge to realizing evolution and evolution has no shape no form it's whatever you want to say it is so like you know like who, who, who like, i love that movie call me by by your name it's like yeah. who are you today who, what is your name like what do you call yourself yeah i think like one of the pains of being a human is thinking that you have to be that one thing or that, know. you know what I mean? That you have to find that one thing or find that one purpose or find that one identity. And I just love that. I love that emphasis on just the dynamic of being so many things and existing in so many different dimensions and like loving all of those parts of you. What have been parts of you that you've really grown to love that you, that you once did not? You know, I would say the part of me that I've grown to love, or should I say not grown to love, but more of accepted into my dynamic multidimensional structure of me would be uh, the ET aspect of myself. The ET aspect, I would also say the female that took a while for me to get Mm. into. And I thank my dad for the opening on that one, because it was only so much I could see women being abused before the female in me woke up and had an, and the queen was like, I've had enough. Mm. You touch my sister one more time and there will be hell to pay. And so, you know, I had, it, it was like the male in me was there, but the female in me was sleeping and she couldn't see, or I, the male wouldn't let her see yeah. the abuse upon her sister. And it was like only when I was willing to wake up the female in me to see what was being done to my sisters that I actually take rightful action and actually realize like this is this is a hard no for me. And, and I, I'm sorry, I don't care. I don't care if you're my best friend, the way you talk to your wife. I, I literally I, I, I will I will bitch slap you with a dollar bill. If you keep talking to your wife like that, no, I'm not really going to bitch slap you with a dollar bill. But maybe, well, who knows? I could be an interesting side of me. But the thing I'm saying is I'm not going to put up with it. You're not going to disrespect your wife or your girlfriend or any woman in front of me anymore because there's a woman in me who feels disrespected every time you disrespect a woman. And so that woman in me woke up and was always there, but was, was, I wasn't letting her come through. And by letting her come through, it's even strengthened my relationship with my girlfriend because I have such respect for her because the woman in me has respect for her. And it's like, yes, sister, speak. Yes, yes. 
And so, you know, it, it really, I think those two aspects, you know, really have become um, wonderful aspects for me, uh, my multidimensional personality that I'm happy that have surfaced and they have been um, anchored and they are sustained and now they are operating at full force through my being and rocking the Casbah. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, the female part of you has been really beautiful to see like you just fully integrate and embody. The ET part, do you, when you're talking about that, are you talking about like reptilian brain or like actual, like your ET DNA or like your ET brethren? Like, what are you talking about? So I'm, I'm, I'm half reptilian. Or I would say half, about a percentage um, of, I would say not half. What would you say, council members, in that half? Like a third. Mm -hmm. And then the other is I'm Andromedian. I'm from Andromeda. Powerful. And mm -hmm. so the ET, the reptilian part of me understands human structures and how to take them down because we're masters at building structure. And the, the Andromeda side knows how to bring people to see their highest truth, like to see who they are in their essence so that they are not being lost in the in the fold or in the swamp of other people's personalities and emotions, right? So I'm really good at taking a person because of my Andromeda side with the knowledge of my shamanism and with the knowledge of my little boy and with the knowledge of the woman inside of me, being able to see a person and see all of the amazing gifts that they hold and then how do we preserve them so that they're not pushed away or silenced or repressed or oppressed because someone is uncomfortable with it or because society says it's not okay to say those things or that you get affected by someone because of it's all based on you being able to be what you were born to be and so as an andromeda we are a type of species that comes from andromedia and we we operate on the idea of beings being able to express as they choose without uh, without any oppression or suppression. So I, I believe in true liberation and, um, and liberation, not just from the sense of like from labels. I'm talking full liberation. I'm talking like liberation to the point where you are not putting any type of rules or boxes or walls or barriers to freedom and joy and pleasure and ecstasy and bliss and whatever makes you happy. Mm. And for your, was it your, who told you about Andromeda or did you always know as a kid that that was your home galaxy or what was that like? Yeah, the voice that speaks to me inside yeah. that tells me that I'm integrated, an integrated uh, being that, you know, that all these different spirits, the things that I call my past lives really aren't my past lives, but they are my past lives. <laughs> they integrated together mm. to create me. Right. So did I really have a life in Egypt? No, but because everything is based on frequency. Yes, I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but there's about 20,000 other people who are also on Moon Ra and we shared the same body as well. So they were also on Moon Ra. And there's a thousand Cleopatras who lived as Cleopatras and there's a thousand, you know, you name it, all the different people that have lived throughout history. It's not just one soul per one body. It's not like a, you know, like a one box for one you know, thing in it. It is like one box with 20 different small stones in it that each stone is a different soul that has lived in different dimensions and they create the new form, which is you and me and so forth and so on. Has your soul ever lived through something like we're living through now? So oh, July yes. 2020 yes. pandemic, there is, you know, the Black Lives Matter movement. There is so much going on. So I'm just wondering, yeah, do you have remembrance of another lifetime similar? Absolutely. Many. Absolutely. Yes. Especially when I was an elder in Atlantis. I remember this as if it was yesterday. 
And what just was- different buildings. Our buildings are a little bit more Neanderthal now. Yeah. Our buildings were a lot more governed towards balancing, uh, connecting with nature and being a part of nature versus these buildings are toxic with all these weird materials that we're constantly breathing in and the structures, the square structures. We didn't have square structures in Atlantis. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, Atlantis was such a powerful time too. You know, the use of crystals. I don't know if you remember that, but like the use of crystals. I remember everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can you talk a little bit about Atlantis? Yes, Atlantis um, was a beautiful place. Uh, it was where you would say, what would you say today Atlantis would be a mixture of like they were the Caribbean and a lot of those, your, um, the Caribbean, the Bahamas, those places, all mm-hmm. those places mm-hmm. on the, that area. So Atlantis was a place where we believed very strongly in um, cooperation through intellect. We didn't speak a lot. You know, we uh, we used a lot of our intelligence through telepathic communication and symbolisms. So like you could walk in the in the city of Atlantis and you would know there's like symbols on the wall and you would know where everything is because you knew how to read those symbols. And it would be like four symbols and each symbol had a huge amount of knowledge. And so we were very much into downloading information and frequencies. We're frequency masters. And Atlantis, we were really connected with nature and we would use sound and we would use like uh, reflections and prisms from crystals, uh, different types of prison uh, prism structures. So like to give you an example is that we would have these three different enclaves and in each enclave we have like different crystals that would be on top that would create the sunlight when it would hit it mm-hmm. it would reflect into this uh, this, this kind of like a dome. And then those who were going through difficult um, times with themselves, like depression or sadness or anything, they would sit into those domes for a certain amount of time, very short amount of time, because they worked very efficiently. And um, and they would be completely cleared of those things. We had chambers where we created like a windmill type situation, you know, where you this we, it would be this spinning that would go on from the water. The ocean water would go into this tank that we built. Um, we used wood and stones and when it would go in, it would filter through this opening that we created that would pour into this other vessel and that vessel would then allow this, this spinning to happen and there would be these beautiful um, chambers of stone that were made of clay and stone with holes in them and so people would lay in them. And the ocean water would come in and the pressure would build through these these chambers and create these high pitch whistling sounds. And it would go through the holes of this 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 clay chamber and onto the body. And so if the body was experiencing any pain or suffering or any kind of hurt or bruises or anything of that nature, it would actually heal the body by using pressure and sound. And so the body would actually heal itself and become stronger. And we also, in Atlantis, we had these uh, circular um, places where we would all sit in circular seats that were like, like imagine like a small circle, bigger circle, bigger, 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 bigger circle. And people would meet there and we would all make these sounds. And these sounds would create this energy. And above us was this beautiful circular thing with all of these tubes with crystals in them. And they would vibrate and they would ricochet off these reflective glasses. And they would make this sound through the whole entire Atlantis. Like this, like you were inside of a sound bowl, as to say. Cool. And wow. we were very, our technology was very advanced. We we understood the body in, as energy. We knew how to change the cells and the molecules of the body. 
I mean, there's so many things I can tell you about Atlantis that I remember. Very beautiful ways in which we, how we sourced our food, how we, how we conducted um, the city and the harmony. But the problem that took place in Atlantis was that there was a group of people who started utilizing their scientific um, abilities with, with, the, with these other ETs that had come to, to make themselves known with us. And they started learning their technology and they started utilizing their technology and experimenting on, on other Atlanteans. And they started taking, experimenting on Atlanteans, experimenting on animals, experimenting with the DNA, experimenting with the cells. And that caused the problem because then you started getting people wanting to create like men and horses cells come together and like different types of species merging their cells together to see if they can create a complete cluster. And those things took a lot of, of energy and a lot of power. And that was causing a lot of destruction. So there was a big uh, upheaval against those who were the, the, the leaders who were operating in that ability. And then the ones who were wanting to keep Atlantean in their more purest state started to rise up against each other. And it got so much to the point where it became these wars that, that took over. And because of it, because of the sound ways that we, we didn't use missiles and bombs like we do today, we use sound as a weapon. And sound became a weapon. And when sound was at a certain frequency, it can hit you and like throw you across the room. And it was the way that the technology was given and it created such an obstruction that uh, the tidal waves, we've created a tsunami and the tsunami came and we knew it was coming because certain elders were having dreams and visions about it. And they were telling the people to stop. We have to stop. We have to find a way to, to come together. And people didn't want to come together. Everyone was on this side. Everyone was divided on this side. And there was this power structure that was keeping everyone in this state because they wanted to, they saw it as a way to gain power over the people and these, um, and these other beings who are Palladians who, are, who could constantly visit us and help us, they were explaining to us that we were creating an, an atmosphere that was so violent to the earth that we were going to end up losing, we're, 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 we're going to be destroyed. So the ones who were the elders were a group of, of different people, a part of a, uh, what we call a community cluster. They were elders in the community that handled different aspects of Atlantis from everything from the sea creatures to the healing stuff to the, the, you know, making sure that all of the sourcing of seaweed and different things from the oceans was, was procured in a certain way so the Atlanteans could eat. And what happened was they were alerted to, to merge with the, to sit with the Palladians and, and the Palladians gave up three of their ships as an ark to make it so that they could, we could, we could take the cell of every living thing and, and, and put it into containers that they could hold and take a certain amount of people because we knew, they knew that we would be destroyed by the waters. And, um, and so they, they did that and Atlantean people drowned. It was, it was horrible. The waters were like ripped through the city and people drowned and there was no way for people to get out of the water because the whole thing went under. It cracked in the center and cracked all the way around the whole entire city. And you have to understand, Atlantean was on the water, but also went up into the mountains. And so all of that started cracking. So if you read the story of Noah's Ark in the Bible, this was Atlantis. 
This was the story of Atlantis, but it wasn't one man named Noah. It was a group of different elders in different pockets of communities. Think it like think of like when you have a tribe and you've got maybe 20 tribes that but they're all interacting with each other harmoniously. And then there's ones who are who are learning and the ones who are giving the technology that was causing these effects. Those are the ones who wanted to keep us enslaved. They want us to enslave ourselves. So they were they were manipulating. Um, they were scientist type beings that we call greys to this day. And they were manipulating some of the Atlanteans to turn against their own people. And that's what they and so they and then other ETs have come along and they have been basically doing the same thing for, for a very long time and still are to this day. I didn't know greys were negatively oriented. They're scientists, so we don't look at it as yeah, negative. Right, right. So we have to understand in the spiritual context, negativity is based upon your ide- ideology right. of right and wrong. And right and wrong changes depending upon culture right. and history and observation of creation and upbringing and knowledge and storytelling. Right. So we, 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 we do not see things at that time as negative. They were mm-hmm. scientists. Mm-hmm. And they were experimenters and they like to experiment on, on DNA and cells. And that's what they do. I'm sure, I'm sure the government is not like me to tell them this information. But yeah, that's what they do. And so that's what they were helping Atlanteans do. And not only Atlanteans, but Sumerians. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, it just got out of hand. And a lot of times people think it's the reptilians. And the reptilians are not the ones who enslaved us. The reptilians are the ones who helped us create a structure that we can actually start building upon. Their structure. All reptilians do is create structure and create structures that that fold onto one another. So, but these scientists who don't feel pain and don't have emotions, they are the ones who believe in seeing every species as an experiment. So they're like car- cargo traders. They. They go from one planet to the next planet, experimenting on the different beings and then taking their DNA and merging it with other species and then creating them and putting them on another planet and watching them develop and see what happens when they have these mixed DNA structures. Mm. And so they were responsible when they go back all the way back into the times of the Anunnaki and the Mu people. Mm -hmm. Wow. I would love to talk about that divisiveness and the division and that power structure and just how we see that through throughout history mm-hmm. and not just recent history, but thousands of years. Is there a purpose to that? Is is that just kind of a disease within the system? How would you explain it's that? A, yeah, it, it's, it's a mental disease. Because when I was a teacher on Atlantis, the ones who were operating with those beings and those scientists we're not thinking about the harmony that we Atlanteans created with nature. They were thinking about how they can be smart and intelligent and raise and be more and 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 and, and how do I say? I give themselves accolades off of their intelligence by showing that they created something new that no one ever saw before. Is that ego? Mm. The ego is not what people think the ego is. Think of the ego as the part that is here to anchor you to your reality. Mm. So the ego's job is just to take whatever you believe and make it real for you. So the ego doesn't live in duality. It is operating in what do you believe? What do you say you are? What do you believe that to look like? What is your perception on that? And then the ego takes it on. So let's say, for instance, 
you're, you believe that the world is a loving place and love is all around you. And that's truly what you believe. Then your ego will create a narrative to make sure that you get that experience in your life because that's what you believe. But let's say you're an insecure person and you're so insecure, then your ego takes on the protector mode and then it protects you from anyone hurting you. And so what the ego does is it battles anyone that looks like a threat to the hurt part of the being that is not able to stand on its own. That's why when people say, oh my God, you're so in your ego, it's not that the person is in their ego, it's that they're in their insecurity and the ego is outwardly saying, no, whatever you say to me, I'm gonna battle you. And whatever you say, I'm gonna pull, I'm gonna pull proofs, I'm gonna pull information, I'm just gonna argue with you, I'm gonna do whatever I have to do. If I have to step on you or push you down, whatever it takes to protect this, this hurt person inside that you don't see I'm protecting, that's what I'm going to do because that's the narrative they want me to write for them. Mm. Yeah. I like the hurt person inside. I think that's a really good one. The ego being a protector of that. That's really powerful. Um, when you, and about the reptilians too, I wanted to clear that up, you know, cause I think the perception if you're in the, the ET community is that the reptilians are, you know, the overlords of, of all the darkness that exists on our planet. I, roll my eyes I know. So, so I would love to just hear more about, about that well you know human beings are a very interesting species you know and i find ever since i've been in the human body since the first time i came here i have found it to be very interesting in the in the way that human beings structure identity and how they operate in the field of what they see as bad or good or what they think an overlord actually is you know, we could even say that we are overlords into animals, and yet human beings would not choose to accept that because it would make them look like they're in a bad light. But they can put something else in a bad light and say that it's an overlord of them without having any facts or proof to to, to justify it, mm. but just say it because it sounds better to say that they are actually a victim yeah, than victim. actually being the victor. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So if we understand human development, we understand that human beings, there was a time when human beings were in harmony with nature, communicated with the trees and the animals and the nature. And they had such a different respect for them that they do now. But because of the industrial age and because of the need to use the mind and see the accolades of the self, that feeling that you get when you do something great and you tell yourself something wonderful about yourself, because the world was depleted of love and the world was depleted of love and the sensitivity of acknowledgement or self-acknowledgement, should I say, because of the oppression of women. Yeah. So when you oppress women... You create what we call a cutoff of the feminine energy moving through your body, which creates what we call um, imbalanced equilibrium. You're mm. operating in a masculine cortex aspect of your being, which is held in the idea of structure and building, which we know that the reptilians made it very clear to us that if we ever separate ourselves from the feminine nature, that we would become destructors. And that true structure is built in synergy, not in discordance. That is the reptilians whole teaching to us in ancient times. But human beings want to turn them bad because, of course, they, um, they operate in structure. And we think that the structure that they taught us is the one that we've been using. And so we think that that structure is bad because it's holding us in some kind of like uh, enslavement. But the enslavement came because the reptilians were very clear. If you separate good, the frequency, perfect. can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, if you separate the frequency out of synergy into duality, 
chaos will come, yep. suffering will come, death will come. And so the moment we cut off the feminine energy, which means we separated it from its synergy and made the masculine and feminine indifferent to each other, we then created the, the part of what you see in the patriotic system and the structures that are built not as an all-inclusive invite everything in including nature and animal of all of us coexisting as a species upon species on a beautiful planet called Gaia no we instead begin to operate in the idea of fear over that which we can't understand because the feminine nature in synergy allows us to understand the in and the out as a whole not as a separate and so there Therefore, we started to destroy, destruct, deconstruct, and we carted more. If you ever watch a child start taking something apart, that's because they're operating outside of their feminine energy. I talk about it in the Spirit Hacking book. I give a great analogy of it when I talk about the butterfly and how the difference is, is that a boy who's operating more on his masculine will rip the wings off the butterfly. Whereas a girl will say, oh my God, look at its beauty, look at its intricateness, look how delicate it is, what a beautiful thing it is. Because she's operating still in the feminine. The feminine is about nurture, expand, create, and, 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 and hold, protect, uh, conserve, preserve. And the masculine is about structure and definition and exactness and, um, and, and how do we say uh, uh, movement of that structure and also understanding of the parts of that structure. So if the feminine is not there to hold where it's synergized, it's not one or the other, it's a synergy. And that's what the reptilians represent is synergy. They taught us synergy and we took apart the synergy and separated. And that's when we had our downfall. That's when we were able to be easily manipulated by other species. And that is when we started taking ourselves down. That's when we started oppressing women, women who were wise and sitting on powerful thrones and helping guide kingdoms and helping bring wisdom and bringing knowledge to the villages and being the healers with the herbs and knew what thing to take from the earth and how to keep balance. We're getting murdered and killed and ridiculed and raped and pillaged because people were afraid of them and started coining them as witches and sorcerers and evil and you know all these things. I mean, I can I can go back and, and show you if we look at the history books, you will see that the same recourse of the human nature to keep giving itself mental accolades to feel loved and important has been the destruction of humanity and not just humanity of animals and not just animals but nature and not just nature, but the structure of the way we think individually and collectively. And that is why it is so important to bring the two into synergy again so that we can erect the four pillars of reality, the physical, emotional, mental, spiritual, earth, fire, water, and air, and be able to step into fifth dimensional elemental experience. Yeah, taking that in. Yeah, the synergy of masculine and feminine. I think why why are people so averse or afraid of that? I love your questions. They're so wonderful. The reason why they're afraid of it is because there is a program system put in place that keeps people in what I call the perpetual groundhog's day. It needs people to stay in cycles 
and it needs people to follow rules and it needs to have clauses that go onto those rules so that you keep following them. The idea that you're going to go to hell or something bad's going to happen or you're going to end up broke or no one's going to want to hire you. Everyone's going to laugh at you. Everyone's going to think you're crazy. Well, I mean, again, we live in a world where the vacuous hole that we've created out of our own depravity has come from the not, from disrespecting women and not honoring their wisdom and their teachings to merge us back to each other has created what we call this, this gap, this chasm, this void where we think we are not loved unless we think we are not valued unless we think we are not someone unless. And so the idea of love's foundation is shattered. So when love is not, uh, the foundation of love is no longer existent, then you begin to operate against yourself for the need to retrieve that which is missing, that you think is missing, but that's the illusion. It's the vacuous chasm that you think is there that is the endless void of emptiness because so you think you have to fill it up in order to feel safe, in order to be loved, in order to have value, in order to be seen, in order to be heard, in order to matter. And that recourse is what the system uses to keep us in this space of accepting the responsibility of upholding those false clauses of something bad is going to happen to you unless you do this. Mm. And so the this, no one knows what the heck that is. No one knows what's going to happen to them. No one knows, but they just think it is because it's been pushed by so many people to hold that clause. If you've got, if you born into a family, okay, let's just, let's just take this for a second. A child is born into a family and three members of that family and there's two members of that family and three members of that family hold a clause that if you don't do this and you don't do that, you're not going to get to heaven. God's going to send you to a fiery pit of hell and all these things. Let's just use a religious way of looking at it. Okay. Two of those people in the family say, we love you. Just be who you want to be. Okay. The fact that there are three people holding a clause, which is three authorities over two, the child will generally go to the three and obey the three. Because the three are the called, it's called the dominated force by numbers. Now, this is something interesting. I really want you to hear this, okay? Because this is a very key element to why the system does what it does. There is an old saying that says, when one or more are gathered, there are power. Well, it's true. Because each person holds in them a powerful source called resource and intellect and emotional frequency that is so strong that one person, if they choose, can change the world if they have a strong enough magnetic charge in their body. Now, there's two things that create magnetic charges, joy and fear. These two energies are strong polarities. Now, let's say, for instance, you have three in the family versus two. That's three authority energies telling you about this thing that's going to happen where there's two who aren't, but because they're gathered in three and there's only two and the two um, are not in three, the three always is the one that will magnetically pull because there's more magnetic energy pulling that child. This is why the system needs to make sure we never come together. Because if we come together, then we come together collectively as a magnetic force. And that magnetic force, just by one thought alone, is strong enough 
to take the whole thing apart. So what do they have to do? And if you read the Towers of Babel, you actually find in the in the story of the Towers of Babel, which is actually a very strong point, okay, to uh, be able to to tap into. So we talk about the Towers of Babel. I just want to pull it up because I really want you to hear um, this this um, effort from the the Bible. So, all right. So it's in the book of Genesis, okay, and it talks about. Hear me again. God observing the city and the tower, confounded by the people who gathered together as one to erect a tower to be as a God. And it says, look at them building a tower to be like us. Let us go down there and confuse them by shifting their language and send them scattering around the world. Who said that? This is in the Bible. This is in the book of Genesis called the Towers of Babel. Okay. Now, if we understand this has, this is, if you look at the tarot card, uh, you look at the tarot card, oops, if you look at the tarot card, the tower, this is an example of the Towers of Babel. It is the idea that if you think you're so big and mighty and you come together as a collective, you're too powerful for whoever's speaking in in the Towers of Babel which is really, truly not God, because God would want us to come together. Right, that's kind of odd to me. Isn't that odd? That's very odd. Right. And so let us go down there and confuse their language. Now, why would a God of love, that is all about, love is about, uh, is a magnetic energy that pulls in and connects. Why would a God of love want to confuse everyone when they're coming together as a whole? It wouldn't. Right. But a species that sees that if we are gathered in numbers, our magnetic charge is so strong that nothing can affect us, stop us or limit us, says, look at that. They'll become like us, a collective, a true collective. So let us go down and confuse them by scrambling their brains and where they can't understand each other anymore Mm -hmm. and then send them scattering. That is what the system wants more than anything. Keep us divided. Mm -hmm. Keep us in scattering. Keep us away from one another. You think the system wants white and black culture to come together? Do you know what type of power happens when a white person and a black person comes together in love? Do your ancestry, if you're white, look through your ancestry. And if you're black, look through your ancestry. And and instead of looking at the horror and the suffering and the whatever, look at the wisdom that each of your ancestries hold and then bring them together with another person that is different and merge them and watch how powerful you'll be. Mm. They know you think they want women and men to find equilibrium and synergy. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Do you know what that will do to the system? I cannot believe that's in the Bible. I'm kind of every, you know, the Bible's a beautiful text, but you know, there's, there's, there's parts where it's like it, the distortion is so obvious. It's kind of, perplexing to me because the God that we believe the God is to be would 
come down from the tower and be amongst the people rather than be in a tower in the first place. So, and it's interesting what you said too about the language thing. And I think we're realizing that now today is like the weaponization of language to really keep people quiet. And so I'd love to talk about, you know, that. Well, think about it. If we go back and look at, right, because when we look at the Bible, we're looking at Old Testament and New Testament, right? So there's the Old Testament of the angry God, the New Testament of Jesus and his uh, his love for the people, his healing, his devotion, yeah. his willing to take abuse from us and still love us even in his dying days while we're still abusing him for things that we're scared of, of the unknown, right? Which is what we do to each other all the time anyway, right? And the whole idea of Jesus dying for our sins is not that he's dying for our sins, he's the sin is the ignorance against love. So when people think sin, they think, oh, you're, you're, you're sinful. No, no, no. Sinful means ignorant against love. It means anything that is oppressive against love is a sin. So dying for our sins is the ignorance against the almighty love that is present and seen and felt when one is willing to feel and see the presence of God that is everywhere in everything, all around us, all the time, every time, that love, that permeating love that never ceases, never goes away, and never leaves us for any reason. That love. Every time we speak against ourselves, we speak against that love. Every time we put down another person and laugh at them, we're putting down that love. We're going against that love. Every time we think we should eat before another person and they should starve and we should eat, we're going against that love. Every time we do anything that is against that love, we're going against that love. That is the sin. So when we talk about when we talk about the ultimate sin, it's literally you falling from grace, which means you falling from the awareness of love's continuation that is omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipotent. It is always present. It never goes away. You are the only one that makes it go away by the way you think. And this is what Jesus was sharing with the people, but he had to explain it to them in the way of the land and seeds and mustard seeds and, and, and wheat chaffs because he was talking to farmers. He was talking to people of the land and the earth. So he had to explain it in that way. We have come very close to that awakening of the Christ mm. in all of us. Christ consciousness. Yes. You see it every time you love for the sake of love, not because someone's doing something for you, not because someone owes you something, not because it makes you look good or makes you be this amazing person. No, no, no. It's because that's just who you are. That's Christ consciousness, right? That is the second coming of Christ. That is, the, oh, that is Christ in embodiment. But the aspects of humanity... Christ is already here. It's already here. It's saying, let me into your vessel. Let me be a part of your, 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 of everything you do, your job, your relationship, your interactions with people, the way in which you do everything. Let me be a part of that. And people give half and half. They're like, okay, I'll let you be a part of it with my family. But when it comes to a stranger, uh-uh, Christ is out the door. Yep. And I'm back mm -hmm. to being that, that disenfranchised human being that still hasn't brought in the synergy of the masculine and the feminine. The Christ is the synergy. 
with everything that's going on in the world right now, especially this year, are you hopeful that there will be will be that integration and that synergy in the wake of all of this suffering and destruction? I I don't see the wake of suffering and destruction. Mm. So the better way for me to answer the question is what I see is the wake of that which we have forgotten to love free. You see, suffering is because of discomfort from the comforts that you have been given, that you think is your safety and your security. So anything that is opposition of that sensation or feeling, you see it as a form of suffering. I do not. You see, I see I see greatness taking place right now. The fact that human beings can actually let themselves be angry and be able to see it. The fact that that women are able to see the the depravity of the nature that they have felt towards someone else that they believed was their oppressor when it was them all along is quite a remarkable thing to see. This suffering and these, this, this, you know, these racial wars and all of these things, it's like a symphony for me. And I just, I'm waiting for the harmonic tones to come once, the, once it gets a little bit crazy, you know? I'm like, I'm just enjoying the symphony of the awakening of us realizing that you don't shift into a new paradigm unless you can embrace and transmutate, transfigurate and transform the energy that was. You don't just get off and leave it behind for, for the next generation. That was what our ancestors did. That's why we are going through what we're going through. Mm. We are cleaning up the energies that we have not showed up for love to. We are making available the things we thought did not exist. We are acknowledging the things in life that we have turned a blind eye to. And now we are really beginning to understand what it means to be a true being of light. Jesus didn't come here with roses and flowers. No. Jesus didn't walk in. Everyone was like, we love you, Jesus. We love you. Uh (laughs) Jesus came in and people were like, you blasphemous traitor, you this, you're going to get yours. How dare you? You should be burned on the pillars and da-da-da-da-da-da-da and ba 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 How do you think we come to this planet for a vacation? This is not, this is not Turks and Caicos. This is not a vacation for the soul. This is not where we go in the universe for vacation. <laughs> we don't go to Earth for vacation. <laughs> We go to earth (laughs) to nudge people with love. We go to be what we call an interruptus in the frequency 
that we that is happening. We are a gentle reminder that there's something more behind that which people see. We have come here to be uh, a, a person who's here to to just interrupt the current. So each of us add a little interruptus into it, and then we go home. And then it grows and builds and builds and the song changes. And all of a sudden, that very intense song that was like, boom, 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 all of a sudden becomes this wonderful, this very beautiful orgasmic melody that is sung throughout the universe and the earth itself begins to sing because we came in to interrupt the current. And we don't do it through force. We don't do it through yelling and cursing at people and going off because that's what they want us to do. It keeps us divided. We do it the way Christ did it, through love, through kindness, the way Buddha did it, through love and kindness, generosity, engagement. I see you're upset. I see that there's things happening. How can I show up for you? You already know the storm is here. We're not here to stop the storm. We're here to let the storm rip everything apart so we can know what to give love to and then rebuild the new kingdom of the fifth dimension that is already here. And the blueprint's already here. We just need to add our light source to it to erect it. And that's that's it. Even the podcast that, that you have created is, 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 is not what people think it is used for. They think you're just talking about a bunch of different things and sharing and bringing on guests. And so that's the illusion. That's the, the physical thing that human beings need to experience. There is code writing going on in your podcast that is opening up doorways inside of them that they may not even know that is there just by listening. These are the things we put our mind to at this time. Not this this uh, masquerade ball of people finally figuring out what's been hiding underneath the carpet. Well, get a vacuum, I say. You know, get a broom. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> I love, I love the, sh- I love the way you're showing up. It's, it's fucking everything. You guys on the video, you will see. I mean, lean back, taking, taking a breath, watching what is happening with our collective ascension, and just enjoying the damn show. I want to ask as my last question. We Powerful. talked about it on our live, but um, in spirit hacking, you, you gave people a pretty good insight into what, what's going on in 2020 and beyond. I would love just like to kind of give people tips for how to just how to how to prepare or what you see for the future. I think the greatest way that you can prepare, and I will say this without putting too much emphasis upon it, learn to be a you know, it's interesting, there's an interesting thing. And I, you know, I, I find it to be very, very poignant to what I'm about to explain to you. You know, there, there was, um, you know, we've gone through the whole Hitler and the Nazi war and everything. And there are times where soldiers would come through the different villages that were in shambles with tanks and everything. And then they would notice that the kids were still playing. And they still were playing and they're still having fun, even though there was this crazy war happening around them. And why do I say that? Well, I say it because of this. The key element is is for you to see the situations that are taking place. Yeah, you can see them. However, you still must be that child who's willing to dance in the midst of chaos. 
color and paint and smile and create and be innovative and, you know, and, and find more ways to bring more joy, more laughter, more pleasure, more bliss into your lives, even when there are is chaotic things happening around you. So that you become the child that when they roll through town and they see the buildings in shambles and the tanks and, you know, all the loss and people who've left and died and moved on, which is you don't really die. You actually just move on because you're an eternal being. You're that child that they see that is what we call the spark of knowing that we shall continue. We shall go. We, we, we will live on. You are that child who's still being able to create amongst the chaos. And if you can remember that, whatever shows up, you're going to be fine. Beautiful. Man, oh man. I love that. I feel very grateful. Yeah. I um, love hanging with you. My last question, you're in love. I love hanging with you too. I love, oh, I love hanging with you. You're in love. You're a girlfriend and yeah. you are just symbols of of not only love, but light and unity. And I know, I know your story, but I would love for you to share just why, why your relationship is so important to you mm-hmm. as an individual. And then also because you, you both are public figures, why it feels important to the collective. So I would say to you that for me, I've been through a lot of relationships men, women, I've been through them all. I'm very, uh, I call myself a soul sexual person. And with all the different people that I've been through, you always, when you're in a relationship, you always want to come home to a person where you can say anything, do anything, and you're loved unconditionally. And I used to look for that in those other relationships and it wasn't there. And I, and I realized that it wasn't there because I wasn't feeling comfortable being transparent. I was holding on to things that I felt guilty that they would judge me or not liking me or something they would see or find out. And that would probably be the end for them. But it was really my own judgments and my own end for myself. It was me not being transparent with myself. And it was when I realized that I only have this chance to show up and be transparent in my relationships was the moment Princess Marta walked into my life and she said to me something really interesting. And I laughed one day. She said, I had to find myself in order to find you. And I said, babe, you couldn't have summed it up so beautifully because there's nothing more graceful and more gentle and more loving and more nurturing than knowing that you don't have to hide anything from the person you love. That you can talk about anything. You can scream, you can yell, you can get all crazy and they still love you because they know that whatever you're going through is not about them. It's just your own triggers. And what what I love about my relationship with her is that if I feel like I need to cry, she's arms ready to take me and vice versa. She can say to me, I need to scream and yell right now because I'm so angry right now at you. And I'm not like, oh, really? About what? Which is what I used to do (laughs) and get defensive. Mm. I'm like, please share with me everything. And then she can just say whatever she wants to say. And I just hold that space for her because I know it's, it's not about that 
or me. It's about something greater that we're all navigating together. So whatever her wounds are, whatever her pains are, are also my pains and my wounds. And so by me holding space for her to see her pains and her wounds, oh, by the graces of God, it allows me to see my own. That's the disadvantage that we have when people don't choose to be transparent in relationships is that you really can't get the best you to merge because you're not giving the best uh, opportunity for both of you to emerge because you're choosing to hold things back. Mm. Powerful. Yeah. And so where you second questions, you have two questions there. And so I want to answer to the second one being a part of the royal family that comes along with the relationship doesn't really to me it hinders our relationship only to the point where we let it hinder our relationship and it's a graceful conversation always talking about where we want to allow that to hinder us and where we should let it hinder us and it shouldn't be a hindrance because of the fact that she was born her royal highness princess of norway and there is a grace to be had of choosing that, as I have chosen to be Shaman Durek. The, the grace is knowing that as she rises and she continues to expand herself more and more to her, what we call um, true liberation, she's able to liberate the people of her country, those who are ready to receive it and those who are capable of allowing it. When we get into that awareness, it makes it easier for both of us to be able to handle the arrows and and the words and the comments and, and the press and the paparazzi and all the things that come along with it. Because we understand that we're doing it not for us, we're doing it for the people. So when I am able to restrain myself from losing it, when I've lost it many times on, on television and as well as in interviews, one, I think one interview on CNN, I cried. You know, when I learned, oh, that's what made me triggered. Oh, that's what made me cry. Oh, that's what made me get mad at the press when they did that. Now, let me look at it in a different way and let me see that this is not about the press is not about the royal family. This is about how do I show up every day for the people? I'm the people shaman. She's the people's princess. She's not just the princess of Norway. She's the princess who's on the spiritual level that we both are representing in the world. The first monarchy to talk and share about health and wellness and spirituality and, and, and the first princess in all of the royal houses of her cousins from England to Luxembourg to you name it, all her cousins, like one huge big family, to speak upon racism, to speak upon white privilege as a princess, to date and be in love with a man of color who is a shaman. If this doesn't get much Disney to you, I don't know what does. You know, and, and, then, and at the end of the day, every time me and her have a conversation, it's never just about us. It's about the people, mm. the people. How can we best show up for ourselves so we can show up for the people? How best can we look at our triggers so we can show up for the people? And so it's this beautiful, loving relationship that we have with the community and with ourselves. And our relationship is enveloped within it. So happy for you. So happy. Truly. Thank you. So happy. Yeah. And just that piece about being yourself within relationship, it is so simple and like the most powerful healing experience, I think. Like to be able to be witnessed by another in all of you, like all parts of you, the healed, the unhealed. It's just really, it's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. 
Of course. I can't wait for people to see video because like I just am like eating you up. Honestly. <laughs> <laughs> eating you fucking you know, I'm just a reflection of you and your reflection of me, and I love you, ladies, so much. So much. You know, mm-hmm. I remember the first time I met you and I was like, those are my girls. Girls, like those are my we were, girls. We were, and you have been so helpful for us, you know, through Truly. layers. It's like it's crazy. I've always said it. Like you really like help people. Like anytime I've ever needed you, you're like, yep, there right away. Like you've never, never skipped a beat. And yeah, I just am so glad. So if you guys haven't listened, the first episode we did iconic. I mean, honestly, we need to make merch. <laughs> Queens don't argue. Is what Queens I hear. don't argue. Queens baby. don't argue. I honestly hear that regularly. It's like the quote of the century. So make sure to listen to that one. Um, and then, yeah, where can our lovely community connect with you if they haven't already? You know, you can come into the healing temples on Fridays. I charge $10 for 30 minute healing. Uh, the healing is intense. It, they can, it can vary between you, like you're on an ayahuasca ceremony or you just went on a big acid trip. And some people, it you know, it's, uh, it's life transforming for a lot Amen. of people. And that's Friday. And also we have the Ancient Wisdom Today podcast shamanderic.com you want to up level your powers in learning about yourself and your the invisible planes and the physical planes and how you can truly really master these energy fields to 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 be an, uh, a beautiful orchestration of of your intelligence and wisdom into manifestation on the earth we have the shaman school and it's great so and instagram of course as I, the new york times just did a Thing saying I'm the shaman of Instagram. I thought that was quite interesting. Very matrixy, but I'm grateful. <laughs> hey, if the matrix is gonna feed my ego, I'm fucking in. Whatever. <laughs> you know, that's what that's that's you know, that's what Tanya said. And, you know, and it was really funny because when they walked, they followed me around for like a month, early February. It's coming out and it came out now. And it's really funny because I remember thinking back one day I'm gonna be in the New York Times and cross over to yeah. the mainstream even bigger. And it's, it's here. And it's interesting how it, it was never about me hustling to get there. Mm. It was always about me just like, you know, there's something that my friend Gwyneth Paltrow said to me that changed my life. Uh, she's, and she's such a, a wonderful instrument mentor for me yeah. in my life. And she said to me, mm. it doesn't matter what people say. Never read anything about yourself ever. Keep your eye on the tiger. Focus what you're doing and everything will come to you. She's like, you don't need to push. You don't need to fight. You don't need to do anything. It will all come to you, brother. You know, and she said that to me and I follow that Mm. and it has helped me so much. And I, I love having people in my life who give me those beautiful seeds that I can plant in my consciousness and grow beautiful trees and flowers and, and just beautiful succulents and you know, I just, I just love it. It's just like, mm. and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's so great. And I think we, we need to realize that our words are seeds and we are, every time we, we speak, yep. we're planting a seed into consciousness. We're planting a seed into someone's emotion. We're planting a seed into the earth. When we, we want to, what we want, we want a harvest that is, is, is delicious and wonderful and it supports everyone. So I always say just the words alone, is important and just where you put your mind because every time you put your mind in something you're pulling those in and those are seeds that you're taking in to yourself as well mm. so what type of things like if someone writes something bad about you that's like you know just don't put your mind to it because that's a seed that they're trying to plant in you that's going to grow some kind of weird like 
I don't know, some kind of morphed, like, I don't know, weed. That, I don't know, that one maybe hasn't even been created. But the point I'm making is, is that if you don't want weeds in, in your beautiful, conscious energy, yeah. right? You want beautiful flowers that smell succulent and honeysuckle and yumminess and right and that's what you want right and that those are the things so when you watch tv say okay these are seeds going in yes. me when i hear starts why i love country music because i love country music those are seeds that fill me up when i see country music that is like degrading to women i'm like oh i don't want those seeds in me yeah you know yeah. And so you know and it's, it's like every time every week i'll sometimes send a country music song to my girlfriend and be like oh you gotta listen to this country song it's amazing you know and then she's finally started getting in the country and like and she's like, wow, I see why you like it because it's like, it's home. It's home. It's like, it's real. It's like, I'm, I'm on the porch. I'm with my dog. I'm sitting down. I'm looking <laughs> at Life don't get better than this. Yesterday, I went to the barn and told myself down all night, y'all. Life doesn't get better than this. <laughs> you know, life I mean, doesn't how get better than this. <laughs> yeah. You know, sometimes. The, the greatness of life, like even when Zach Brown band sings, he's like, I'm just going to pull up my chair and let the water hit the back of my chair and I'm going to have my beer and I'm just going to look out at the water and that like, like that's life. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. It's like, that's In the, the moment with of the beer. life. Totally. Under life, baby. Not being on some red carpet where everyone's like <laughs> splashing things in your face. I'm like, oh no, I'd rather be on a horse with my girlfriend, riding with the kids having our summer rides, you know, walking and being in nature, being on the earth, you know, just sitting back and sitting on a porch with some friends and listening to some good country music and everyone's just playing cards and having a good time. That to me, that is what life is, you know? Yes. That's how I know I made it. I know I made it when I have those experiences. And that freedom 100% do that. Oof. Yeah, no. life doesn't get much better than this. Life doesn't get much better than this. Life doesn't get much better than this. I love you. Two girls in the yeah. podcast. Life doesn't get better, much than, better than, than this. <laughs> Dude, this is what I needed. I know you're tempting me. Now you're making me want to go literally to, to the beach right away. There you go. Yeah. Oh, love you. Love you so much, Derek. Thank you. I love you too. Thank you. I love you too. Can't even say like the words "love" doesn't even describe it. So I'll just say "amala ashche." Thank you so much, Shaman Derek. You can find Shaman Derek online at Shaman Derek on Instagram and shamanderick.com. His book, Spirit Hacking, is an incredible read. So grab it. And he has a podcast, Ancient Wisdom Today. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time. See you soon.